Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey everyone, the third issue of the WrestleTalk magazine is now available. Head over to WrestleTalk.BigCartel.com for more information. We've got a great issue this month featuring our reviews of the Royal Rumble, Wrestle Kingdom 10 and Raw 25, including the WrestleTalk crew counting down their top 25 moments of Raw history. So head over to WrestleTalk.BigCartel.com for more information. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Wrestle Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaft Nation. Fantasy Booking Warfare is here. Hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm a bit exhausted, to be <laughs> honest, after doing our Fantasy Booking Warfare yeah. installments. I was a bit worried about mine. No, I really liked you. I mean, we shouldn't... Let's not say anything about it, because this is all here to unfold. We'll talk about it in the outro. But mm. what did you get up to over the weekend, Well, it, it, uh, as I said on uh, Saturday's episode, it's my wife's 30th birthday next mm. week, so her parents took us away to a very plush and nice uh, mansion-style hotel uh, out in Hook. Um, called, in Hook? Yes, it called Tilney Hall, and it was uh, very grand, very lovely, and we stayed there for the weekend. We laid by the pool, and I read some Captain America comics. I was rereading Ed Brubaker's um, run on Captain America. Which, From the first. Yes. Well, when, yeah. Which was, ba- was what became the uh, the basis for Captain America the Winter Soldier. Mm. So I was rereading that, and then I started reading through um, Kevin Smith's Guardian Devil. I've been on a bit of a kick of rereading some of the comics I really enjoyed. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I did that, and then we had a very lovely, lovely dinner. Very, very nice and plush, uh, plush dinner. I had Chateaubriand for the first time ever. And that what was, is Chateaubriand? It's a, it sounds like a place. It's a very expensive cut of meat that mm. uh, has to be eaten by two people. You cannot order it for a singular person. It has to be eaten with a partner because there's, I guess, so much of it. And um, they come out and they sort of slice it in front of you. And that came wow. with some hand-cut uh, chips and uh, an onion ring and a portobello mushroom, which I ate and quite liked. There you go. Mushrooms aren't all bad. I know. Hey, they're, they're fun guys. <laughs> so the people, mushrooms. So people have been telling me for years and years, but I've just I've never liked mushrooms. Mm. But I had this one and it was rather delightful, actually. It was quite nice. I think there's a, some crazy fact that there's actually more species of or more types of mushroom than there are 
people. I don't know. Did, yeah, grains of sand <laughs> on every conceivable. But yeah, it's, yeah, there's more possible mushroom species than there are chess moves. <laughs> I mean, is what I've heard. There's loads. Is what I'm trying to say. Not lots of mushrooms. Yes. And then, um, uh, and then we just went back home. I went to go see my parents. And um, yeah, it was just like we had a, a really, really nice weekend. We also watched on uh, Netflix's new movie, Game Over, Man. Which... So you didn't watch the the critically applauded Annihilation. No, you watched. What's Game Over Man? Game Over Man is a new. Um, co- I'm going to say comedy, but I'm using big adverse commas. Mm. Uh, comedy starring the guys from Workaholics, so uh, Bumper from Pitch Perfect. Love him and his two- Adam Levine. His Adam- name is no, it's it? Adam Devine. Devine, yes, or Devine maybe. Yes, Devine. Because even better, because you're like thinking of Adam Levine would be from Maroon, Maroon 5. Five. Yeah. <laughs> what a human being that would be. Um, so it is. It's. I, I chuckled a couple of times. It's got some very silly cameos, but it's. It's Die Hard in a hotel, but not as good. But you, yes, so we didn't watch Annihilation. We didn't watch anything proper because that's want, not what we do. Speaking of bad cameos or like celebrity cameos, uh, me and my lady partner didn't wanted to chat while watching a movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what, what does that movie look like to you? I can't comprehend what a movie we chat through looks like because I would want to watch the movie. I don't understand having stuff on in the background. And we're scrolling through. And I was like, well, what about Zoolander number two? And my lady partner said, that is exactly what I want right now. So we watched it. Yeah, it turns out you can completely ignore that movie. Yeah. And God, that is bad. Such a shame as well, because I love the first yeah, one. The first yeah, one. Yeah. And that first one really stands the test of time as well. Mm. It's still funny to this day, but that's when they released the trailer for that second one, I was like, oh no. Yeah. Like this looks like Have it's very it? bad. I've not seen no, I felt like I'd seen everything I needed to within the trailer. So every scene has a different cameo. Yeah. And uh it's yeah, it's it's bad. It's pure unsequelizes. But um apart from Kiefer Sutherland who nails it like he's that's genuinely a great part of the film but uh it's not as bad as pacific rim uprising well, christ say, alive i say, nearly walked out i was gonna say i got a text message while i'm there and i'm in this nice little plush hotel i got a message from molly saying like how's the hotel how's the suit by the way pacific rim 2 is absolutely i mean you said some very naughty words mm. but you said it's pretty bad you know when you just want to tell someone something but yeah. you can't like just say it you gotta say oh how's your weekend going <laughs> that was that <laughs> of course i cared about how course, the hotel yeah. was but i more wanted to tell you how bad pacific rim 2 was. <laughs> it was just there was uh so i watched it with a few pals a few mm-hmm. mates yep few uh, bloody blokes bloody blokes and not shouting at um scallywags outside a pub this time. time no we learned from our mistakes and uh and it's it's 25 minutes in and i'm it's not like it's it made it, I, I was losing brain cells every i felt embarrassed for everyone involved it was just and it was so i mean it's a kids film so and not in a good way like where it it's mature and it speaks to everyone it was just it was marketed in the worst way possible to kids and to sell to sell toys. I had no interest in it whatsoever. And uh, it's overwrought and it's bad and the acting's terrible. And then uh, an emotion quote, an emotional bit happened where there was a flashback and something very tragic happened. And when that tragic thing happened, I could not suppress a guffaw. <laughs> I made this noise. <laughs> but that was enough for my... For, for, my friend sitting next to me to also go. So oh no! And then 
I started shaking. I was sh- oh, no, no. In, this, in this emotional moment, which set off Jack and then Mario next to him. And we're all just like trying to suppress because when you're not meant to laugh, it's even funnier. Yeah. And we're all trying to hold in this laughter. And then we couldn't because oh, the scene after that is two people have they, they entered the argument at 11. So they're they're both immediately shouting at each other. There's like normal chit chat. Boo! Now we're now we're angry. The the script says that we're arguing, so we're both going to yell everything, and that's what they were doing. And like that was bad. We were sniggering at that. Boom! Scott Eastwood walks in. Why are you shouting? But he screams it louder than both of them. Anyway, and then it's then it's kind of like hilariously bad for forty five minutes slash forty days. But then the last 20 minutes are just bad. <laughs> just bad. Oh, Hated mate. it. Hated it. That's so disappointing <clears throat> to hear. Because you know how you I you know I love the first one. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of the it's first good one. Good half movie. And uh, I'm, I was really looking forward to, to this. Um, what was I looking forward like to? You might because sometimes you like really bad things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm... That's what mm. I watch. Um, I, I Yeah, I mean, am I looking forward to this? Or was I... It just sort of felt like it came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh, by the way, this film is happening now. And I'm like, mm, is it? And every time I watch the trailers, I'm like, this looks like it was a direct-to-DVD sequel yeah. because none of the original cast are there. Like, it's not the original writing team. And I'm like, eh, this mm. just feels very much like a, a Deep Blue Sea 2. You know, what happened in Deep Blue Sea Well, that, it's only just come out on DVD. Like they've, <laughs> what? Oh, they've only just released a sequel to Deep Blue Sea. Capitalising on that momentum. Absolutely. What, 15 years after the fact? Yeah, totally. Love the first Deep Blue Sea L- oh, What a great film that when is. When it swims backwards because they, they're smarter. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> it's a Gill thing, right? I never understood that. I love that So let's get into some iTunes reviews before the fantasy book in Warfare. Conscious Thought Ka writes... Thank you, Ollie and Luke. I started watching WWE in 2007. Was that a good year? 2007. It was was starting the decline. Well, I was going to say it's the the, uh, Benoit year. When I was eight years old and took a departure from pro wrestling in late 2012, I gradually became a fan again in 2015 by watching short clips on WWE's YouTube channel to catch up on everything I've missed. But a video from a YouTube channel named WrestleTalk came in my suggestions. I thought to myself, what the hell? I'll watch a video. One video became two, two became four, and four became a subscription. And the entertainment of each video never lost its... Consistency. It, I reignited my love of professional wrestling, but Wrestle Talk not only magnified it, it gave it a newer perspective by reporting on the stories behind the curtains of professional wrestling. Thank you for keeping me entertained while I had to work, do chores, and head to sleep by having this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hashtag support Wrestle Talk, and anyone who doesn't should be expecting to hashtag. Get these hands. Thank you, cautious, cautious thought. A conscious thought, Conscious rather. thought. Do you know uh, what tomorrow is? To- um, no. Tomorrow marks the one-year anniversary that you and I loaded the first Wrestle Ramble to YouTube. Really? It's tomorrow is the one-year anniversary, the 27th of March. Wow. Yes, it is tomorrow. I didn't know that. Yeah, my, that my, my wife. WrestleMania predictions. Yeah, it was my wife's birthday. Was it really? Yeah. And we, we recorded re- it we reco- that day. No, we recorded it the day pre, or like a couple of days previous, I think. Right. So you and I have already passed like our one-year anniversary of doing ah, these shows. Well, I got you nothing. I got you a <laughs> WrestleCrate subscription box that you <laughs> can't open until we do it on the channel. <laughs> but it's just fine because the only reason I knew that is because someone emailed me this morning to to say congratulations. Whatever, you're soppy. You keep track of these things. Of course, I do. let's finally get into fantasy booking warfare. 
Okay, so here is my fantasy booking. As those who watched on Friday's episode will know, I didn't finish this, uh, actually on Saturday's episode rather, I didn't finish this last week. I actually finished it on the way into the studio today. So I'm feeling okay about it, but we'll see how this goes. Okay, so the jumping off point is the exact same point we're currently at in the landscape of wwe so it's two weeks before wrestlemania john cena has beaten kane and continues his quest to call out the undertaker for a match at wrestlemania suddenly the gong goes off and the undertaker appears on screen sitting on a throne that looks a lot like his symbol he's decked out in druid-like robes he addresses cena directly how dare you you call me out john cena how dare you address the undertaker like he is some mere mortal he tells cena that he isn't accepting his challenge for WrestleMania because he has much bigger plans. And he says that he's found a suitable replacement for him on the grandest stage of them all and ends with the tease, no man is ever truly good, John Cena. No man is ever truly evil. Of course, fans of NXT will put two and two together because he's talking about Alistair Black, but John Cena and the commentators don't know who he's talking about. All but Corey Graves, because he was in NXT when Black debuted. So Cole and Coachman are wondering who, who The Undertaker was talking about, and Corey just sits there dumbfounded. He just sits there with this really worried look on his face. And Cole asks him what's wrong, and Crave, Gra- Corey Graves just throws down his headset and runs towards John Cena, who's walking up the ramp. And off mic, we can hear Graves telling John Cena to call off this challenge. Cena looks at him puzzled, but continues to walk. So we're now one week before WrestleMania. It's the go-home show of Raw. Corey Graves isn't, fa- isn't on commentary because he is spending most of the night looking for John Cena backstage. And when he finds him, he again warns him to call off the challenge. When Cena asked him why, Graves says it's not his place to say, but just call off the challenge. Cena pushes past him and walks toward the ring. Cena cuts his promo on Taker again, and Taker appears on the Titan Tron again on this throne. He talks about WrestleMania and the legacy of the streak. He says that in New Orleans, a new streak begins. And John Cena and John Cena, I have found this new vessel of destruction. A video then plays of Alistair Black kicking dudes in the face and all the cool stuff that Alistair Black does because he is all sorts of cool. And afterwards, Grave is going nuts on commentary about how he told John Cena he should have called off this challenge. John Cena looks worried in the ring. Grave puts over how dangerous Black is while Cole and Coachman just talk about the rumors they've heard about Alistair Black and how dangerous he can be. NXT TakeOver New Orleans, of course, we still have that scheduled match between Black and Cien Almas, which Black wins, he's the new NXT champion, and the show goes off the air with Mauro Ronaldo screaming about what this means for John Cena and WrestleMania. So it's WrestleMania 34, John Cena makes his big entrance, and then Aleister Black makes his main roster debut, holding the NXT Championship and flanked by The Undertaker. He walks down the ramp, and he's, uh, The Undertaker's decked out in all of his robes. The bell rings, and time stands still. They come face to face in the middle of the ring. The crowd is going nuts. Cena tries to attack. Black Mass. One, two, three. <laughs> Aleister Black beats John Cena in, clean in the middle of the ring with one move and a new streak has begun. John Cena is now leaving the WWE to go and do films or whatever he does when he isn't doing wrestling. Raw after WrestleMania. Undertaker comes out with NXT champion Aleister Black. Colin Comrade talks about how this is all feeling very familiar. The last time The Undertaker was this evil and powerful, he done it took over the company. Taker announces that a new darkness is going to fall over WWE and everyone on Raw needs to take notice. This brings out the new Universal Champion Roman Reigns, crowd erupt into booze because it's the Raw after Mania, who simply says, well, the last time I saw you, you were looking at the lights because I was retiring your ass. 
of course, Black tries to, like, step up to him and take, just hold him back and be like, now is not the time. He says that, like the rest of Raw, he will rest in peace. Late that night, we get a squash match with the new tag team champion Braun Strowman and his tag team partner, James Ellsworth. And he is, uh, Braun Strowman is facing off against an enhancement talent that we as wrestling fans will recognize as Donovan Dijak. And as uh, Braun kills, um, uh, Dijak completely destroys him in the ring. Gong goes off, lights go out, lights come back on. Dijak is nowhere to be seen. And in the final segment of Raw, it's Reigns and new IC champ Seth Rollins taking on The Miz and Finn Balor, who lets it be known that he wants to be facing Rollins for the IC belt. And during the match, Gong, Undertaker and Black walk out onto the stage, stopping the four men in their tracks. And then from out of nowhere, War Machine make their main roster debut and hit the ring and take out everyone. Mm. Obviously, Miz runs for the border. He hightails it out of it. Galanderson come out from the back. War Machine and, and Alistair Black and the Undertaker lay them out. And Rollins gets back in trying to hit with a chair. He better he gets laid out as well. And all of this it's it, it's signaling their new finish basically, which is the guys from the Ministry lifting up an opponent so that Alistair Black can hit the Black Mass and lay them out, really putting over as a devastating move. Uh, Black and the Ministry of Darkness announced their announced their plans, but also their new member Donovan Dijak, who's coming out and he's looking a little bit terrifying. He's a big old dude. Um, uh, where are we? Black wants to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. War Machine wants to face Braun and Ellsworth, and Dijak wants Rollins. Take it to man's Kurt Angle come out and make these matches, or there will be consequences. Kurt Angle's music doesn't hit though. Instead, Vince McMahon's does. Vince comes out to the ring, he doesn't do his strut, he doesn't do the usual Mr. McMahon stuff. Vince gets in the ring and he says, look, I, Taker, I know what you're planning, because the last time you did this, you and I were doing it together. And I'm a different man now, I'm a grandfather, I'm a business owner, we can't, I can't let you go down this path, it's, it's far too dangerous, I'm a changed man. But just as he's about to make more of a plea, BAM! Black Mass, Alistair Black lays out Vince McMahon. And uh, they, they just, they take him, they try and take him away. Shane McMahon bolts down and he just gets attacked by Donovan Dijak and they just lay out Shane McMahon. Lights go out, when the lights come back up, Shane is in the ring but he's all alone. The Ministry and Vince have disappeared. This leads to backlash with Shane McMahon versus Alistair Black for the return of Vince McMahon. Black wins via the Black Mass, but they release Vince anyway because this wasn't about kidnapping the McMahons. This was all about making him a statement. Um, elsewhere on the show, War Machine challenged Braun for the belts but are unsuccessful, and Seth retains against uh, Balor and Dijak attacks afterwards. So the following Raw, Ministry brag about destroying the McMahons, which brings out Stephanie McMahon. She says that they may have beaten her father, they may have beaten her brother, but there's a sudden game that they have yet to play. This sets up a war between the Ministry and the McMahons for the control of WWE. At Money in the Bank, uh, Alistair Black is part of the Money in the Bank ladder match, and he almost wins, but uh, Triple H and Shane McMahon stop him from winning. Elsewhere on the show, War Machine win the Tag Team Championships from Braun and Ellsworth. At TakeOver Brooklyn 4, Alistair Black loses the NXT Championship to Drew McIntyre with the help of Triple H. And this leads to SummerSlam with Black, where Alistair Black versus Triple H. Um, where are we? Uh, during this match, we get the debut of the newest recruit of the Ministry who attacks Stephanie McMahon at ringside. It's former Mae Young Classic entrant and the impressively tall and well-stacked Rhea Ripley. Inside the ring, Black hits the Black Mass and he and The Undertaker stand tall over Triple H. The control of WWE is slipping away from the McMahons. Elsewhere on the show, Dijak wins the IC title from Seth and War Machine successfully defend their tag team titles against Galanderson. Um, and uh, they also cost Roman Reigns the Universal Championship to Samoa Joe. So this now leads to Hell in a Cell. 
uh, with it's Alistair Black, Donovan Dijak, and Rhea Ripley versus Triple H, Shane McMahon, and Ronda Rousey inside Hell in a Cell. If the Ministry win, they take control of WWE. Uh, elsewhere on the show, uh, War Machine successfully defend their tag team championships against Galanderson and Roman Ro- Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. When it looks like Shane McMahon might get the win over Donovan Dijak. Triple H pedigrees Shane and lays him out. Black gets in the ring and orders Triple H and Shane to pick up the limp body of Shane McMahon and he delivers a killer black mass and pins Shane. The Ministry of One and they now control WWE. So Triple H reveals that he had a meeting with The Undertaker and Black and realized one thing. So long as he was a McMahon, he would never be fully in control of this company. Running this show is his birthright, he claims, although obviously it's clearly not he's the heel. He made NXT. He made 205 Live relevant again. He improves everything he touches. This company needs someone like me in charge. And the only way I can be in charge is if I'm away from the McMahons. He says, I make things great, but Vince, Shane, the rest of the McMahons, they just want to they want to make it all about them they just want to run family friendly shows and ruin guys like Bailey and Becky Lynch and Finn Balor they just want to push them into the ground they want to bury guys like Seth Rollins and push Roman Reigns instead this promo is cut off, however, with a familiar sound. Sierra Hotel. You know the lot. Roman and Seth come out with a returning Dean Ambrose who rushes from the crowd and starts attacking everything he sees. It leads to an all-out brawl between the Ministry and the Shield. At TLC, it's Black and War Machine versus the Shield with WWE on the line once again. Elsewhere on the show, Triple H teams with Rhea Ripley to take on Ronda Rousey and Shane. Uh, during the build-up to the show, the Ministry cost Ronda her Raw Women's Championship. I think I forgot to mention that she was the champion. Um, uh, but they cost her the championship to Bailey, nodding to Bailey that they're doing things for the guys and girls in the back. We're helping you over the establishment of just pushing these people like Ronda Rousey who don't deserve to be pushed. But during the tag team match between Triple H and uh, Rhea versus Shane and Ronda, Bailey runs down and trips Rhea off the apron, costing them the match. She is WWE through and through, and this leads to a a feud between Ripley and Bailey over the WWE Women's Championship. Uh, In the main event, the Ministry defeats the Shield in the TLC when Dean Ambrose turns on his Shield brothers and joins the Ministry as well. Black is the one to pull down the contract. So, as you would probably imagine, this leads to Survivor Series. (laughs) Dean reveals on Raw that he's agreed with what Triple H has said. He was overlooked in favour of Roman Reigns. He was overlooked in favour of Seth Rollins. He was never given the chances that they were given, even though he was the most popular member of the Shield. Black says that winning at TLC meant that they can control the company, and he's going to face Joe for the Universal Championship at Survivor Series. Roman Roman and Seth run down and try and attack Ambrose, but they are vastly overnight numbered until they are helped by Balor Club. Builds to the traditional 5-on-5 Survivor Series elimination match between Black, Dijak, War Machine and Dean Ambrose against a dream team of sorts of Roman, Seth and Balor Club. Uh, and elsewhere on the show, Rhea Ripley beats Bailey to become the new Raw Women's Champion. So it comes down to Black and Balor in the Survivor Series main event. They have an all-out slugfest but when Dijak runs out to help Black win, a returning jump scene jumps out of the crowd and gives him an AA through the table that had been set up and this distraction allows Balor to score the win over Alistair Black. A clash of champions, despite this setback, Black faces Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship and wins the belt. Excuse me, and after the match, Cena rushes the ring and the two brawl into the crowd. Don't worry, we're nearly there now. This leads to the Rumble, uh, when uh, Black uh, and faces John Cena for the Universal Championship, which Black successfully wins. Uh, and uh, Finn Balor and Bailey win their respective Rumbles. 
Okay, so The Undertaker revealed earlier in the night that the plan was for Dijek or Ambrose to win the Rumble so they could face Black at WrestleMania and keep the belt within the party. However, both Triple H and The Undertaker failed in doing so, which led to Finn Balor eliminating both of them to guarantee himself a Universal Championship match at WrestleMania. As the show goes off the air, Black stares down both Triple H and Undertaker. This leads to Elimination Chamber. Um, during the build to Elimination Chamber, there's a lot of tensions between the Ministry, particularly Black with Triple H and Taker. And we get some backstage segments on Raw where WWE guys and girls tell Hunter that he knows what the right thing is to do and this isn't the right way to do it. In the Elimination Chamber, we get WWE's version of War Games as Black and War Machine take on Balor Club inside the Elimination Chamber. And it, again, it comes down to Black and Balor, with Black getting the pinfall over Balor with the Black Mass. Uh, during the match with Botched Interference, Taker and Triple H accidentally get Rowan Hansen eliminated. Finally, we are here at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, it's billed as WWE versus the Ministry. This is the last stand for the WWE as Black takes on Balor for the Universal Championship, Seth Rollins takes on Dean Ambrose in an unsanctioned street fight, Donovan Dijak defends the IC title against Roman Reigns, War Machine defend their tag team titles against Gal Anderson, and Rhea Ripley defends uh, against Bailey, while Triple H takes on Shane McMahon, and if Shane loses, the McMahons are gone forever. Ever. So, Glanderson win, Bailey wins, Dijak wins, and Dean wins. But here's where the key victories come in. Uh, it's a Triple H with Undertaker in his corner. As the match goes on, members of the Ministry and WWE walk out onto the ramp as this match sort of unfolds. They're really, you know, this is a really key and pivotal moment in WWE as a company. And at the end of the match, Triple H has the match won. He has him beaten. And Shane gets onto his knees and tells him to finish it. Just do it get it over with he knows he's been beaten triple h looks at taker who, who just looks at the floor looks a little bit solemn a bit crestfallen triple h picks him up and pedigrees him triple h wins the mcmahons must be gone from wwe forever but after the match triple h um but and triple h and taker just pick up shane and carry him up the ramp and they get to the top where all the wwe guys and girls are applauding shane for his valiant effort and they hand over this limp corpse to vince and stephanie the last sight of the mcmahons on wwe tv and in the main event black beats balor continuing his undefeated streak and this leads to our final moment of my fancy booking, just under the 15-minute timer. On the Raw after Mania, Black and the rest of the Ministry ask Triple H and Taker to explain their actions. They both talk about their history with the company and with McMahon, Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Stephanie McMahon. Taker reminds Black that take, Taker reminds Black that taking over the company is one thing, taking control is one thing, but respect is earned, and the McMahons have earned his respect. Black says that Taker hasn't earned his. Black Mass, Alistair Black takes out The Undertaker and they beat up Triple H2, establishing Black as the new leader of the Ministry and the new guy in WWE. The Wrestle Ramble will be right back after these short messages. This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll get access to the Wrestle Ramble Extra, a monthly podcast where Ollie and I review shows from wrestling's past. If you pledge now, you'll get our back catalogue of episodes, including Money in the Bank 2011, Armageddon 2000, Wrestle Kingdom 10, and No Way Out 2004, and many others, as well as this month's episode, which will be WrestleMania 25. And $10 plus backers will become part of the Ramble Club, our new show where we talk about 
about wrestling from around the world, including reviews of The Golden Lovers vs. Cody and Marty Skrull, Austin Aries vs. Eli Drake, and many, many more. All that and so much extra, so head over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk for more information. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, mine's a little bit more, a little bit smaller scale than that. It's uh, it's more of a singles feud rather than a a year a year long encompassing story of pretty much every talent in the company. But I must applaud that. That was very good. Thank you. Uh, so mine begins after WrestleMania 34. So it's the Raw after Mania, and we have our first video package, and it's a voiceover. And there are three silhouettes in the background. You can't really see them, but there's a lot of black and white satanic imagery flashing up on the screen, like witchcraft stuff, Alistair Crowley, uh, and occult symbolism. And that's cut in with real day news footage. So, and, and the voiceover is all about power and how people get power and how people at the top have seized this power for themselves and they won't let it go. And it's at the expense of everyone else. And you get a montage of of powerful real world people like Putin or shots of the G8 and uh, shots of the city and the stock market and they're all driven by a secret power one that is his birthright and uh, it's very Iron Man 3 very Mandarin like because I watched that recently and then it just says coming soon at the end next week so this is a this is the build-up to backlash but nothing happens at backlash uh, second week, second video package. It's the same, same again content about power being amassed at the top and a montage of powerful figures. But this time, 
in all those powerful figures, there's a flash of Vince McMahon. There's a flash of Triple H. There's a flash of Stephanie McMahon. Uh, not really, it's never overtly said, but it's, it's more subtle than that. And out of the darkness, one of the silhouettes is revealed to be Jimmy Jacobs. <clears throat> and he, he says, uh, you know, that they're all driven by a secret power and one that is his birthright and he's here to take it back. So, uh, third week now. This is the third video package. Jacobs is in full full view with the two silhouettes behind him, and he just says, the world isn't black and white. It's just black. Raw is about to be turned upside down. The age of black is coming. Coming soon. And then, uh, then the fourth week, which is the go-home week for Backlash, it's Jacobs does, again, the same style of content, but this one ends with Alistair Black stepping, stepping out the shadows next to him. Of course, there's still another silhouette that you can't see. And no words, and he just says, well, Jacobs says, Black never speaks. He's taking the power back. It's his birthright. The Age of Black begins next week on Raw. So then you have Backlash, which wraps up all the loose ends from WrestleMania. And the main event of the post-Backlash Raw is Black's first match. And it's against just a jobber, but a very well-built, uh, imposing-looking jobber. And it's a huge entrance for Black. Makes him look big-timey. Raises coffin style from up the ground like he does in NXT. And he enters with Jacobs. And Black just looks supremely cool. And they get into the ring. Black's just standing there, nonplussed. The jobber goes for him. Boom, Black Mass. Instant win, but uh, he doesn't he doesn't go for the pin black. He just sits down cross-legged, at which point Jacobs crawls into the ring with a spike. This is his trademark spike from Ring of Honor, and it's actually kind of like a... It's it's a writing utensil, so he inscribes... Not, not like cuts, but it's, it makes a mark. Uh, uh, an insignia, a sigil on the jobber's forehead. The referee's like, what the hell's going on here? But black makes the pin... Who, because the guy's still knocked out, and the referee counts three, one, two, and on the third, Black smudges the sigil on the forehead. This is a, this is a tried and tested Black magic ritual. Uh, and Jacobs like says off mic into the camera, the age of Black has just begun. So in the next couple of weeks, Black continues to squash jobbers with this sigil finish where he, he smudges it, and this is inter intersected or introduced with those same style video packages where it's it, most of it's in silhouettes but it cuts real world footage real world news footage with jacob's uh, promos about power and he's talking about the age of black being dominant and he's going to keep on winning until all of wwe is in darkness and it's not just him and master black no 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 she is already here and will burn wwe to the ground for something new to rise from its embers and then jacobs occasionally throws some some shade at rollins in these bits he's the only person that they really single out and in these promos and ensuing weeks he explains the dark magic act so uh, every time you smudge that sigil, he's smudging it in the moment of victory. So this is in the three count, and that's binding his soul to victory. You think victory, you think power. It's all bounded into Black's essence. No one can beat Black. Seth Rollins' music hits. This is They're now in the ring, so an in-ring promo. And Seth comes out, and Seth and Black stare at each other. Black, cool as a cucumber as always, and Seth is shouting at Black... Black's not saying anything. Seth starts to shout at Jimmy over Black's shoulder. And he's saying, you know, what the hell are you doing here? 
and Cole says on commentary, It looks like they know each other from before. I'm so stupid I watch nothing but the main roster of WWE. And Jimmy goes to hit Seth with a, with the spike, but Rollins dodges, super kicks Jimmy, and then looks back. Black's just standing there. Standing there, unwavering, unmoving. There's a face-off commercial. Next week, Raw, in a backstage promo, Jimmy teases that he knows Seth's secret. He knows Seth's dark past. He is not a good man like he claims to be. Now, he's just as dark as the Age of Black. Hey, hey, Alistair, he could join us. Black just shakes his head. Okay, we'll just have to destroy, destroy his soul instead. So in the following weeks, Jacobs interferes in Seth's matches. Sometimes it costs him the victory, sometimes it doesn't. But there's always a level of frustration. Rollins finally accepts a grudge match against Black. Uh, this is heading into Money in the Bank. On the go-home show, Jacobs says he'll finally reveal Seth's sordid history the night after Money in the Bank. So this is, this is mind games now. Seth knows whatever the result is. The next night, his big secret's going to come out. So Jacobs, uh, in the Money in the Bank match, Jacobs is constantly interfering in the Seth versus Black bout. But then out of nowhere, near the end, you know, after they've gone about 15 minutes, Charlotte walks out in the crowd covered in blood, carry style, or, you know, a, a substance that looks like blood. And this distracts Rollins, letting Black hit the Black Mass for the win. He does the sigil mark. Now Black has not only the victory, but victory over Seth embedded into his essence, into his soul, sort of bound there using this dark magic ritual. The post-Money in the Bank roar. Um, Jimmy Jacobs is cutting in one of his lovely video promos again, pre-tape promos with all the news footage. People keep on asking what happened to Charlotte. She says she doesn't know. Like, Charlotte's don't, like, I have no idea what's happened. That uh, she, she was just sprayed in the face and pushed through a door. That's all she knows. And then she stumbled into a crowd. There was nothing actually dark magic about it. It was all it was all a trick. But uh, yeah, Jacob says in this pre-tape promo, we've got a new question. What happened to Charlotte? I'll answer that later. First, the one I told I said I would answer, Seth's sordid history. So in, again, in one of those lovely intercut newsreel footage bits, he says before the authority, before the shield, before Seth tried to convince you all that he's a good man, that he's slain a king. He was Jimmy's first student. And this cuts in Ring of Honor footage from back in the day of the Age of the Fool, which was uh, Tyler Black back then. Of course, the same name as Alistair Black. And he says, yeah, he was called Tyler Black back then, but now there's a new Black. Seth Rollins renounced that name. And, he's and now Alistair Black has surpassed Seth in every way, and they're going to destroy that failed project together. And, and then the following weeks is... is it frames itself around the debate of there's no, Seth saying there's no such thing as magic. It's all psychological tricks. And, you know, people do these rituals and it unconsciously makes them very, very focused on these goals. That's Seth's argument. He's a sceptic. Whereas Jimmy and Alistair Black, but although he's mute, his argument is, but hey, it's working. So there's got to be something in it. And that, you know, it sort of makes Seth wonder and he's, he's getting teased by his dark past. Maybe that is the way to victory. Sure, he's a man that's been corrupted before. Just check out the authority stuff. So the, the Raw general manager, whoever it is at this point, is angry that Jacobs is constantly interfering in the matches and using the sigil finish. So he's going to grant Rollins a rematch 
Jimmy Jacobs is going to be in a shark cage. We're bringing the shark cage thing back, people. And it's at Extreme Rules, which is kind of a gimmick-heavy show anyway. On the go-home show, however, Charlotte is uh, sort of cutting a promo with Ember Moon because Ember Moon won the Money in the Bank briefcase or whatever, and Charlotte is... Uh, Charlotte's a champion at this point, so, you know, they've got a thing going on. And that promo is interrupted by Black and Jacobs. And Charlotte says, hey, tell me, I want to know who attacked me at Backlash and covered me in a, a red liquid and pushed me out there. And that the Money in the Bank winner, and up until now, super babyface, Ember Moon, just gets a big smile on her face and attacks Charlotte from behind. Rollins runs down for the save, but they're all, but Rollins and Charlotte are beaten down by Black, Jacobs and Moon. Ember is the she they were talking about. I don't know if you noticed that Ember reference in a previous promo. So this is Extreme Rules now, the uh, the shark cage match. The finish of the match comes when Jacobs, of course, because it's a shark cage match, drops the spike to Black to use behind the referee's back. Moon is distracting the referee. Black hits Rollins from behind the referee's back and... Uh, after Rollins has been beaten, the cage is lowered. But what they do is they they sort of strap in a harness Rollins's torso and his arms out like this, sort of by his side, to the cage. And then Moon commands the people backstage in the backstage truck. She gets back there and interferes with stuff. The cage slowly elevates, lifting Seth Rollins in a kind of Christ-like cross. You know, CrossFit Jesus. He kind of looks a bit like. Uh, some depictions of Christ and he's just hanging there and the age of the black pose beneath him and wish smudge another sigil so Seth has now been beaten twice but both have come from interference because of course Jacob's dropped the spike there and he demands one final rematch where no one can interfere it's a hell in a cell match at SummerSlam uh, the build to this is all about the age of black saying Seth really is a dark man and Seth is saying those days are far behind me. And now we're, we're at SummerSlam and Black and Rollins just have a brutal brawl inside the cage for the vast majority of the match. And Jacobs and Moon are outside. They can't get in. And finally, they come crashing through the door. And Jacobs right away goes to interfere on Rollins. But Black, in his first words since debuting just says no and Jacob's like stops and then then you say oh Black really is the powerful the powerful person here Jacob's is just the the mouthpiece so Black then just climbs to the top of the cage waiting for Rollins to get up there with him and uh, Moon goes to you know try and take out Rollins Rollins moves out the way Ember takes herself out by clattering into the side of the cage and Rollins comes up to meet Black on the top of the cage and they're up there now, and they're just having a very tense, slowly dumb brawl. And Black eventually gets the better of Seth, and he unhooks one of the supporting cables that brings down the Hell in a Cell, and he ropes it round the bottom of Seth's legs, so round the ankles. And Rollins gets up, and he's you know sort of hopping, and he can't do anything, and he's just like, finish me then, if this is what it's about. And Black goes... Okay, well, he didn't say okay, but he hits him with a black mass. Rollins falls backwards through one of the panels and falls down, but he is suspended in the ring upside down. Now an upside down cross with his arms going out like that, and he just passes out from from the, the blood rushing to his head. So 
uh, Black walks down, gets down the, the cage and he goes in. Uh, Moon and Jacobs are telling the referees, no, don't help him. Check him. He's passed out. Black wins. And uh, yes, that's the age of Black. And they pose there the final visual, visual of this, the culmination of the first feud. One that Black has won all three encounters of, posing there with an antichrist symbol, Seth Rollins. I really like the insignia part uh, of your fantasy booking. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the Jimmy Jacobs thing was a lovely surprise. Ember Moon was a really nice surprise in there. I like it because it's not... What, what I like about your take on, on the brief, as, uh, as mm. Master Chef would put it, so it's like you've taken the brief and you've done something really different. You've done the era of, of Black... I really like that touch mm. on it. I think that's a really, really clever way of doing it. Thank you. I was concerned because there was something about... I was thinking I, w- I want a woman to be in this faction uh, I, I kind of wanted it to be just a you know because Jacobs wouldn't be wrestling I just wanted it to be a man and a woman mm-hmm. like a sort of Adam and Eve as the new age of nice of black yeah. but uh, I, and I, for some reason it was obviously Alistair Black was going to be in it but I Ember Moon just like fit the image in my head the way her she has the, the, the contact yeah. lenses in her eyes just the, the name Ember Moon sounds gothic yeah uh and, that would, and I think that would actually really help Ember Moon as well, yes. because of what, when you talked about not connecting with Ember Moon on uh, the mm. la, on Saturday's episode, so coming to you, a few of the comments in YouTube, I've actually found to agree with is that I think why some people don't connect with Ember Moon is because no one knows what her character is. Like, what is Ember Moon? Yeah. It's like, is she a werewolf? Is she a is she just a wrestler? Like, what what is an Ember Moon? So I think what you've done there is you've actually taken Ember Moon. It's like, here is her character. Here is what Ember Moon is. And I think that would actually really help her get over. Now, my problem with that, and I, I sort of second-guessed the whole fantasy booking because of it, is because... And it was only after I'd written it down, and this was like a few days into me trying to flesh this all out, I thought, Age of Black, Ember... M- oh, no. <laughs> oh no, there's a potential race thing allegation here. <laughs> and I thought, well, and the YouTube comments were on that. No, they won't. <laughs> what am I thinking? Any nuance gets lost. So uh, just for podcast, uh, for pod swafters, mm-hmm. it's not racist. No, <laughs> not at all. I didn't pick up on that. I never would have. I That's never would have suggested such a thing. But then again, I'm not a YouTube commenter. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> will. Oh, so she's just in it because Age of Black. Yeah. Well, but Alistair Black isn't <laughs> black. Neither's Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, uh, but yes, I really liked you. I, I mean, there was so much that happened. I'm trying to remember. It's nonsense. The bits. Like it's absolute. It's Vince Russo nonsense because like I, I started writing it and I was like, I, my first thing was like, cool, I'm having Black beat Cena at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. like in one move. Like that was the that was my jumping off point. Um, and I and I wanted to sort of like build a, a ministry. I knew I wanted War Machine in there. Um, the female talent. I was like, I wasn't sure. And then it was like, oh, actually, it'd be Rhea Ripley, and I'll do, uh, I'll do her because she's quite tall and she's quite imposing and I, and I think she could be a really great talent if given the chance uh, and then I was like okay cool well, I'm going to build two Survivor Series and I'll do it as a six on six because I want to have the Shield and Balor Club together as like this big dream team but then I couldn't and I was like but if I do that I'm going to have to add a sixth person to the, <laughs> the to the ministry team and I was like um, well I'll tell you what, if I have Dean Ambrose turn I can have him join and then I can do it as a five on five this sort of works out here blah 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 and I'm sort of writing all this sort of nonsense down and I wrote the Vince McMahon thing and once I started writing the Vince McMahon thing I was like 
well now they've got to take over the company I guess mm. so I just started writing that and I was like oh cool because this can then build to Vince versus The Undertaker at Wrestlemania and I was writing that and I was like well, that would be horrible but, <laughs> I was like oh I could build to Undertaker versus Shane well we've already done that well I suppose it'll have to be Triple H, uh, Shane versus Triple H oh cool because then Triple H can turn on them and hell in a cell and then after a while I'm like there's just turns everywhere this is utter nonsense then I wrote Bailey into it and then I was just like <laughs> exactly yeah I was like, I'm just going to keep writing here, and eventually it'll all fall into place, and it did, more or less. The uh, the the way to get around Undertaker and Vince McMahon not having a good match is you, is you just write in the fantasy booking they have a great match, I suppose, yeah. and then it's fine. Then it's like fine. You put yeah. your fantasy book them having a great match. <laughs> the, uh, the I I you know what I'm thinking about yours. My favorite part actually came right at the start, and it's that that immediate WrestleMania win over Cena. Yeah. I thought that was that was really good. What a way to establish someone. And yeah. I like the idea of doing this this new streak mm. at WrestleMania uh, of, of starting. So he's, like, he'll be, he's 2-0 by the end of this booking. And in his first year, he's 2-0. You, uh, you should watch the video version of this because my face through your booking, I, I felt it reacting unintentionally. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, that's all we've got time for for today's show. We'll be back on Wednesday with the Raw and Smackdown. Oh, and if, you know, Podswafters, if you want to vote in this, you've got to go over to the YouTube version of the show and click the I in the top uh, right-hand corner and you can vote for either myself or Luke. Exactly. We've got Raw versus Smackdown this coming um, Saturday, or this coming Wednesday. We've got the, the fallout of Daniel Bryan being attacked by Kevin and Sammy. What's going to happen there? And the fallout of Ultimate Deletion. Mm. Let's see if anything's going to happen if on that. If there's anything if at there's, all. If there's any, are we going to get some more scorn from Michael Cole? Mm. What are we going to get on Raw tonight? But we'll find out and we'll discuss it in detail on Wednesday. But until then, guess what? I love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.